Hi everyone, welcome to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton and I am so excited that you are joining us today. My guest today is Nikki Rice. Nikki is a very important person around here. She is the staff of Stockton Ministries. <laughs> she is my right-hand man. She is my assistant. She helps me and comes alongside me in all of the things that it takes to produce this podcast and other things that we do here at Stockton Ministries. And Nikki, more importantly than all of the amazing things she does, is who she is who God has knit her together to be, and her story. So I wanted to have a conversation with her and have her share with you her journey with Jesus, how he uh, met her, set her free from anxiety and OCD, the challenges she faced when church leadership didn't recognize her healing as being legitimate, navigating church hurt, and so many other things. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Nikki Rice, my friend, my girl, my staff member. (laughs) The one and only, here I am. The one and only, ladies and gentlemen, this is the staff of Stockton Ministries right before you, Miss Nikki Rice. She is the administrative assistant, content curator, and all around champion of all things Gina and Stockton (laughs) Ministries. (laughs) It's a privilege. It's been so fun. So Nikki, you are um, kind of like uh, one of my spiritual kids. We've known each other, gosh, probably seven years now. I think so. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And we met uh, a church that I was on staff on. You were attending there and yeah, you've been on quite the journey. And what's really funny is you were one of my first, I got to tell everybody the story. You were one of my first podcast interviews and the interview never made it to air. And why is that? Because Gina was not experienced with all of the podcast recording and whatnot. And so we were recording in my house in one of the rooms and something in the room fell over and I hit the space bar to stop it. And then I hit the space bar to start it again. And I didn't know that hitting the space bar only started it to play. It didn't start it back recording. And so we recorded another like 45 minutes of conversation and it was great. And we hugged each other. Oh, I'm so excited. And then the next day I go to edit and it's like 15 minutes in, it stops. There's nothing there. It's gone. (laughs) So it never made it. So here we are probably four years later and we get to have a conversation. So it's amusing. Anyhow, Nikki, I would love for you to share your story. You have a amazing story in terms of your journey with Jesus, uh, a journey with battling anxiety and receiving healing and so many things. So as much as you want to share of that, I would love for you to give some background and some of your story and where you were and how God brought you through it. So just to give some context, I grew up in a military family, so I moved a lot. Um, With that I was constantly the new kid. So that was going to middle school, high school, changing schools a bit here and there. Um, And I had to learn how to adapt and kind of like, almost like people please in order to get friends. Um, So that, that kind of came with a lot of like, 
who am I? Like, what am I doing? How do I become like friends with people? How do I connect with people? Yeah. Um, so I just remember that was always really challenging for me. Um, one thing is I did grow up in a, a Christian family and both of my parents loved the Lord, um, their whole lives. And they really gave me a really firm foundation to stand on, which, um, I'm honestly really grateful for that. Um, but the school that I grew up in for most of my childhood was really religious. So I grew up in Texas for the most part, and it was a Southern Baptist, really religious school that I went to. Um, and nothing against Southern Baptists. I know some Southern Baptists that are so amazing and they know all <laughs> about grace and they're beautiful, but it was particularly the school that I was at that really didn't portray what the gospel was. Like it left out grace. It left out relationship with the father. Everything was like, because we fear God and because he's holy, we have to act this way. Yeah. Um, and if you ever want to go to heaven, then you mm. can't do this, 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 and this, and this. And it was mm, this. Wow. Um, we had chapel on Wednesdays, every Wednesday, they'd be like, is there anybody here who wants to like repent of their sin and make sure that you're going to heaven? And so every single chapel, I was like seven years old and I would raise my hand. So I, I probably <laughs> got saved like a hundred times at least. So yeah. like literally I'm probably the most saved person on the planet. Like at this point, <laughs> a lot of fear and reverence of God, but just misplaced outside of relationship. Yeah, that's good. And just on the journey I've been, I've been learning about his holiness and the fact that actually the freedom to live a full, complete life in the love of God. Yeah, um, that's good. To see him rightly and to fear the Lord, I think to me now means like, because I'm so in love with who you are, God, because I know your goodness and your nature, I'm going to live in such a way that honors your name. Growing up, I was like, oh my gosh, if I do one little thing wrong, like he's literally going to abandon me. And I was so afraid of being abandoned by God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of my fear came from. Um, so with that background, fast forward to middle school and high school, moving around, don't know who I am, just have a lot of misplaced fear of interacting with people, interacting with God. I started having really bad anxiety and panic attacks. Um, it got to the point in high school where I, anytime I'd be in a group of people, more than like two or three people, I'd have a panic attack. Hmm. Like my fear was so loud that I couldn't, I couldn't think rationally, if that makes yeah, sense. It's good. People would always be like, oh, like, it's okay. Just meditate on this verse of, you know, don't be anxious for anything. And they would always like, they'd bring that verse up a lot, um, people at church. And it would be a lot of people who meant well. Yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe even their heart was to help me, but they would use verses like, you know, don't be anxious and say, oh, you're sinning against God. Oh, you're actually wow. not living in a way that's honoring to God because you're, you're anxious. Yeah. Um, and that made me feel guilt and shame. So then you have like fear, anxiety, guilt, and shame that were just constantly like just whispering in my ears and weighing me down. Yeah. On top of that had OCD. Um, and both anxiety and OCD have been something that have been a part of my family. So there's a lot, a lot of family members of mine who are still, um, on medicine for that, but for some of the medicine has been so good. And it's been like a God sent gift, honestly. Um, yeah. so when I started having OCD, what that looked like for me in particular was I would 
constantly be counting numbers in my head once I'd be out in public and around people. So it was like, interesting. It was like a coping mechanism almost. Yeah. Right. So my brain was trying to cope with things that I couldn't control. Yeah. So I would like walk upstairs and I would, I'd count all the stairs. I'd have to like check locks on the doors like three times before I could go to sleep at night and just like weird, weird stuff, but it honestly controlled me. Like I didn't have full control over the way that my brain worked. And it got to the point where I literally was living in so much torment from my own thoughts um, because it was constant. Like there wasn't a moment of silence in my head. Um, So that got to the point where I had insomnia at night, so I couldn't sleep. I had a choice in that moment of I could either take all this fear, all this anxiety, all these things that were like attacking my mind and lean into the presence of God, lean into relationship, or I could be really angry and isolate myself. So I kind of like weaved between the two for a while and God met me in that. And there was a lot of grace to feel what I needed to feel, to feel the, the anger and frustration of like, I can't socialize. I can't have and keep my friends like without there being all these problems. And there was so much grace and God met me in my place of disappointment and in my fear and in my pain. And as many times as I prayed that he would take it away and he didn't, he sat with me in it. Yeah, that's good. Because he was more concerned with healing my heart and the wounds that had caused these fears in that moment than he was to take away the symptom of something that was much deeper. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, have a little Selah right there, you know? And there are areas in the church, big C in terms, just like, you know, we're human. So there's no judgment or accusation against different denominations or different, you know, theological streams. It's people trying to work out their understanding and revelation of who God is, right? And um, there's things we get right and there's things we get wrong. And there's things that the nature of who we are as humans always want to make something always want to bring it back to law. It seems like, you know, right. and all of those things, but, but so there's a lot there, but I love that you said that Jesus wants to be with you in it. Um, and we so often want him to be the genie in the bottle. That's going to take away this now. Right. And then when he doesn't, we feel abandoned or hurt or in some way, well, you didn't love me enough to heal me. Right. Rather than finding his love and his presence in the waiting right. or in the answer of not yet, or even in the silence, that's easier said than done. There's nothing in that statement I'm making that's meant as a, you know, judgment, you know, like be quiet and be still and be willing to wait in the da, 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 da. No, I'm not. I mean, it's hard. But there's something really powerful and precious. And I think some things that we miss out on in our relationship with him when we try to hurry past mm, yeah. what this is right here and, and we don't look for him in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the trial, in the middle of whatever it may be. I was 16 when we moved again over to Orange County. (laughs) And so that was my junior year of high school. That was when my anxiety and my OCD and all my fear was at the worst like it had ever been. I actually got so depressed about how just the the layer of, of control that I didn't feel like I had just even over my own mind. 
And then shame comes in, right? Because you feel like something's wrong with you, that you're somehow defective. Right. That even though you know Jesus or whatever, you're not able to do this seemingly simple thing. Right. And then, you know, the enemy leverages that. So it's just this constant battle, right? Yeah. So I remember this one night I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, God, if you're not going to take this from me, like I want you to take my life. But if you won't do that, then I want you, I want you to use this to set other people free. Hmm. At that moment in my life, I didn't have a grid for deliverance or that this was something that God would do, you know, like I, yeah. I was kind of like praying that like in desperation. Um, and so around that same time, I started going to new church and, um, and you're on staff there with Justin. And I remember going in there and just the atmosphere of worship brought into that place was so powerful. And, and it's, I think it's because too, like you guys left space to linger and I'd mm. never experienced that before. Like it was always like song, 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 end. And like, that yeah. was it. Song starts, song end, song starts. Right. <laughs> yes. I just love that you guys left space to linger and wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gave me this moment of like, of clarity. Like my brain was actually clear in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I just started listening to worship music, like all the time, anytime I'd listen to worship, it was like my thoughts actually slowed down enough that I could actually think mm-hmm. and I'd actually find this peace in the middle of it. I remember I came to church and you were going to teach prayer training class And I remember I was sitting next to my mom, like, Hey mom, like we got to go to this. Like, I don't know why, but we just have to go to it. Like, this is going to be so good. Um, and so we went and then you started talking about the fact that prayer is a conversation and that blew my brain. Like I, first I was so offended. Like I was like, this is really, I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me that I can hear God. Like I was like, the audacity. Like I was so offended. It was, it's hilarious now looking back. I had no idea. That's hilarious. And we're still friends. Look at that. I know. I I think it's so funny. I think offense, like when it's actually, when, when you haven't heard something before and you're offended, it's not always discernment. (laughs) Sometimes it's literally just a shock to your system of what you're used to and comfortable with. Yeah. That's actually weak three of prayer training it's offense is not discernment. yes 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 that's right oh, that's really yeah. funny and what's hilarious too is I can't tell you how many people take that class and the first week are like Gina yeah I love you but I don't know about this right. and they're like all and then by the end of the class they're like ah. yeah right. okay sorry it's so continue no, it's so funny it's so funny how it works but Um, but then you, you gave us homework and you told us like your homework tonight is to go home, find a space where there's no one else, close the door behind you and ask God a question and wait and just listen. And so I was like, okay, sure. Like God's going to speak to me. Yeah. Right. Like that's funny, you know? Yeah. So later that night I just grabbed my guitar. I went out to the garage. I don't know why I chose the garage. Honestly, I was just like, this is like the right place to go. I don't know. And I just prayed and I said, God, I actually don't think that you're going to speak to me. I literally said this. I'm like, I actually don't think you're going to say anything, but I'm here if you want to say something and I'm listening. Wow. And I just sat with that for a minute. Hmm. Didn't hear anything at first. And I just kind of like strummed my guitar a little bit. And I just sat there to listen. Gosh, like I felt the Lord come in into my car and like 
my awareness of God being close was overwhelming. Like I was like, God is so close. Like I could like explode out of my skin. Like that's how I felt. In that moment, I just had this picture in my head, this really dark ocean storm. It just looked so gloomy. Like there was so much chaos. The waves were crashing everywhere. And I'm such a picture person. Like I always think just with with pictures, I feel like this was how God chose to speak to me through how I already think and how I absolutely naturally process life is like through pictures. So I was like looking at this storm and I saw this hand reaching down for me and all this light. And that was it. And it was just like this moment. And it was like real enough to where I could see it in my, in my head, but it was just faint enough where I had to have faith for it. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, so in that moment, I started singing a song that was like from God's heart to me. <laughs> and it just like, I just had the words, like the words were just in my mouth and they were coming out. And um, it was literally like God sang to me a song about my anxiety and about my fear. Like it just gave me hope. Yeah. Then at the end of it, I just heard like this still small voice in my head. And it was like the clearest thought you could think. And I just felt like the Lord be like, Hey, would you trust me and go on a journey with me and go off of your medicine? I do want to clarify that that was a really specific thing he was asking me to do. Yeah. Um, and what I never want to do is make my testimony someone else's theology. Yeah, it's good. Because Jesus in the Bible always feels differently. Yes. So when I say he asked me to go off my medicine, that was something very specific that he he was asking of me. That's good. And I'm, I'm glad you're saying that. And I'll reiterate again, this is your testimony. Right. And this is in no way saying, you know, if you're out there and you're on antidepressants or you're on anti-anxiety or OCD medication or ADD medication that go cold turkey tomorrow. No, Um, just like modern medicine, if you're a diabetic, you take insulin. If you have cancer, you, uh, you know, you go on chemotherapy or there's different types of medicine that you take for different things. Those are provision from God as well. But there was a specific journey that Jesus had you on in this moment. Right. And it was very clear that it was from him. So I I love that. Thank you for saying that because I think it's very easy for us to want to like, well, it happened for you. So I'm going to do exactly what, you know, you did. And um, thank you for giving that little caveat. And I think a testimony is something like it it says, and it speaks to what God can do and what even will do, but maybe in likely not how he's going to do it. Well, and because God's a very personal God. And before we even started this interview, you and I had a little staff meeting with the two of us (laughs) and we were talking about other things and God, you know, in the modern church, especially the church in America, you know, we gather and then we grow and then we multiply and before you know it, you have these big organizations and the challenge with that is we have a very personal God and yes, Jesus fed the 5,000. He did the Sermon on the Mountain. There were times where there were crowds, but even in the midst of the crowds, he always turned around and ended up, you know, locking eyes with one. He healed one at a time. And every one of those was personal. Every one of those was intimate. Every one of those was meeting a need specifically. And that's who God is. And so the encouragement that we want everyone to take from Nikki's testimony is that the God who so intimately and lovingly met her 
in the way she needed to be met wants to meet you in the way you need to be met. Yes. And, and that's going to look different. It's going to feel different. Um, how we hear God's voice, like Nikki shared a minute ago, like she's a visual person and she, she thinks oftentimes in pictures. So that's how the Lord's communicating with her. Whereas someone else, it may be something different. So that's not a, that's not trying to minimize or even blow off like, oh, no, 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 this may not happen for you. It's not that. It's saying God loves you so much that he's going to uniquely speak to you. He's going to uniquely meet you and it's going to be sweet and it's going to be precious um, because that's how he loves, right? Right. Totally. So when that happened, um, within the hour, I had a friend who was actually also in the prayer training and she texted me and all she said was like, Hey, I've been praying for you. And I really feel like God told me (laughs) that he wants you to do what he's asking. Wow. That's good. Yeah. And I I think oftentimes when it's something big, the Lord will confirm it, you know, like, and he really, he, he did like, he confirmed it within the hour, which was really, it was really miraculous. And this is my next step. So Um, I started like the next day, just like taking a smaller dose and I weaned myself off for like the next couple of weeks. Um, but that, that Sunday you and Justin led a song shepherd by Amanda cook. And it was the first time I believe that I ever heard a song from Bethel music when that happened. Like I had that picture, um, of the ocean storm and the hand reaching down, just like come back to me so strongly. Um, and I felt the presence and the peace of God again. I remember when I got home, I was just like, what was that song? Like, what was this? And I just like looked it up. Who's Bethel music and found out that they were going on like a worship tour and that they were going to be in our city, like within a couple weeks of that time. So fast forward two weeks, I'm completely off of medicine at this point. Um, I walk into this little room that has about 500 people are so stuffed into it. I come in a little late. I'm already having a panic attack. I'm like walking up the row, like my body visibly shaking because I'm not okay. And there's this one seat that's left in the front row, like all the way on the left side. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to go walk up there and I'm going to sit right there in the front. So I did, I went up, sat in the front. Um, so they led like, I think a worship song or two on acoustic set. And then everybody started lining up in the middle, like to ask their question. Yeah. So this was like a, there was going to be a concert. And then for people who ended up with the VIP, you could go in for like a Q and a and like a separate thing besides the conference. So that's what you were at. Yeah. Right. First of all, you didn't realize that you could actually hear from God. You have this moment in your garage. that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Right? You know, and then it, then there's this confirmation and you're hearing something, there's confirmation that you go on Sunday. So there's this journey the Lord's taking you on. And again, his kindness, like just takes us as far as we can go. So you're, you're really there just investigating more than anything. Right. And kind of just like, here I am, you know? Yeah, totally. And so then the guy in charge of the question and answer, mic, he picks up the microphone and moves it when there's already a line forming, but he moves it all the way over to the side where I'm sitting. I literally just stood up and I was in the line. <laughs> What's so cool about that is the song that that I sang that night that I was in the garage. One of the, the lines that I heard from the Lord was, <laughs> if you trust me, you'll just need to take one step. So I literally stood and I took one step and I was there. 
And the guy was like, Hey, like, what question are you going to ask over the mic? And I'm like, honestly, I'm having a panic attack. Like I've had anxiety and OCD pretty much all of my, my teenage years, like for almost seven years now. Um, and God asked me to go off my medicine and I'm here. And that's all I said. And he was like, all right, Nikki, you're going to come with me. So he, he brings me up on this little stage that's in front of everyone. I start freaking out and he's like, everybody, this is Nikki. She's our sister in the faith. And we are all going to stretch out our hands in faith and pray for her, her healing right now. And so the worship team came around me and they all laid hands on me, um, which was also very new for me. Jen prayed over the mic and she said, I see the Lord reaching down to break through your storm. So this is Jen Johnson. Yes. So she prayed that. And that was the exact picture that I'd been seeing, right? Like it was like literally God's hand reaching down to break through my storm. And right when she said that, it felt like 5,000 people were whispering in a room. Like that was like the state of my brain. And it was like in that moment when she prayed that everything went, went silent. Mm -hmm. Like it was done. (laughs) Wow. All of the extra thoughts that I was thinking that were overwhelming, they were finally silenced. It literally felt like I, like my brain hit a brick wall and it was like reset. Wow. But what was so significant about the fact that it wasn't a private moment with just me and God. And it also wasn't a moment with just me and one person. It was like this whole room of people were praying for me. Yeah. But that moment, like not only did God heal the anxiety and the OCD, like, but he also healed my heart. Mm. I recognized my need of the church and actually my place in the church. So that, that moment completely healed me. Yeah. And it's so powerful too, because you in no way, even in that moment could have articulated that you even needed that healing. Right. That's what is another just beautiful, crazy, mysterious, miraculous thing about God's love is that like, I have my things that I ask for, but he goes even deeper. He's like, okay, yeah, I, I I hear what you're asking but I actually want to heal a little bit more than that. So let's go here. You know, that's just so beautiful and so powerful. And it's something that you didn't strive for. You know, he brought you into that moment and that place when you were ready, what you needed to do was trust him and take a step. That's pretty much all he really asks of us often, but that trust and that step can feel like a thousand foot cliff, right? Yes. Right? You know, and a, and a mountain, you know? And so it's seemingly simple, but deceptively hard, right? <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. And, and all of the things in between. So that happened about six, seven years ago now. Well, the thing that's beautiful is when we, when we receive it, when we encounter God in that way and receive healing is like it builds faith, right? It builds your faith, it builds your belief and it builds your trust. And as those things are built, oh my gosh, I took that step. I stepped off that cliff and you caught me. You know what I mean? There's a part of you that's just like, okay, really? Okay. Now what else? God was just opening your eyes and healing things and kind of bringing a freedom in you. That was really powerful. And you started to find your spiritual gifts and you started to um, minister to people and all that stuff. And it was crazy. So shortly after you experienced all this healing and all of this stuff started happening in your life, you ended up in an internship program and you were just really wanting to grow in your faith. But the leaders in that were struggling with what was going on in your life. And so there was this tension and some things that came up. So can you explain a little bit, like, what was that journey like and how, how was that for you? 
Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting because there was like just the transition, like you'd said, there was a new pastor. There was a lot of new structure that was trying to be implemented within that. A lot of people leaving the church, a lot of new people coming in. I had this, this time where I really just dug into my word. Like I dug into the Bible. I, I studied it for myself, which was new because yeah, it's good. I've been taught like, Oh, it has to be a pastor that tells you what's, what's in here or else you won't understand. And you like, you're going to interpret it wrong if you read yeah. the Bible by yourself. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I just started reading it for myself and I was like, there's so much in here that I've never heard. Like no one ever told me that like this was possible today, that there's literally all these verses about guidelines and and guardrails into what the spiritual gifts are for. And that it's actually unto the building up of the body in love, right? It's, if it's ever pride or it's ever coming from a wrong heart, the Bible literally says that it counts as nothing to you. Yeah. Cause, cause gifts are gifts. Right. And I think that's something we wrestle with as humans. My logic says that, well, someone needs to prove they're qualified right. before they get that. But God's a good father who gives, gives good gifts to his kids. And so now you have people who are given a gift and they're like, yeah, what do I do with this? <laughs> and, or they use it um, with ill motives. And it's so interesting because there's a verse in Philippians where, uh, Paul is in prison and he's talking about his chains and he's talking about his chains, um, are benefit are furthering the gospel. People are preaching his chains and people are getting saved. And then he says, there are those who preach my chains for selfish ambition. Wow. And then the next line is, but what do I care as long as the gospel is being preached? Right. Okay, well, everything in me was like, what do you mean? What do you care? Of course you care. That guy's an idiot. He's, he right. needs to be brought to justice. Like, right. how dare he? Yeah. And so we have to, we do have to contend with the reality that humanity is messy. And I think that's probably how cessationism even started because there's a lot of mess right. when you have God's kids who are varying levels of maturity, varying levels of their understanding of uh, God's word, their intimacy with God and relationship with him. And then they have gifts and then they're trying, it's, it can be messy. One of the things that I'm really passionate about is how do we, how do we create a safe place to get it right and to get it wrong. Right. When we do get it wrong to learn from our mistake, but then to grow and to mature. Right. And I think the cessationism probably came from this is too messy. This is too destructive. We just need to shut it down. That's the easiest way to keep it clean or to keep, I probably came from initially, you know, wanting to just keep things in order and safe, but relationship is not always pretty and perfect and clean. It's messy. Ellen and Catherine Scott are the pastors now of what was Vineyard Anaheim, and now it's the dwelling place. They took over the church probably three to four years ago, and here's this place that back in the, you know, Jesus movement, Vineyard, Heidi of the Vineyard was a place of, you know, great move of the Spirit, criticized by some more more fundamental circles, um, but a place of a lot of fruit. Like God was doing great things. Wimber was the pastor. There's a lot going on. And then they've been in this kind of um, stale years, you know, and then Alan and Catherine have come in and they're pastoring this in-between generation. And it's like that generation that didn't see with their eyes the 
Red Sea being parted, (laughs) you know, they weren't that first generation. They've only heard stories and yet we're kind of expectant for God to do something, but we're a little wary of that. And they have done a beautiful job, I believe, of pastoring that moment of how do we, you know, we're going to invite God to come. We're going to invite the spirit to move. We want to see him move in this place. And when he does, other stuff's probably going to rear its head too, but it's okay. We don't have to be threatened by that. We don't have to be scared of that. We just need to keep our eyes on Jesus and let him divide what's him and what's not. And he would teach on that parable of the the wheat and the tares, right? The the workers go out and they sow seed. And then in the middle of the night, the enemy comes and sows seeds of tares. And then as it grows, there's weeds growing with the, the good wheat. And then the workers go to the farm owner and say, you know, oh, should we rip it all out? And he says, no, 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 let it grow. And then when we harvest, we'll separate everything. And, and that is something that is really hard for us. Like, I don't want to deal with the crazy. I want the crazy to go away. You know, I don't want to have some wonky, what's that? It's just so much cleaner and easier to say no. Right. And, and keep things neat and tidy. Right. But if we are willing to say yes and willing to live in healthy spiritual community and give safety and guardrails and leadership so that we're going to cultivate an environment that's going to be exactly what you said, that this is for the edification of the body, that there are diverse gifts. All of them are important. All of them are necessary. Not one is more important than the other. It's for the edification of the body, for the transformation of our hearts and our minds so that we can be the church in the world, right? That's so hard. Yeah. It requires so much discernment and can get messy. But I think Bill says a nursery is loud and messy and there's life there, but a graveyard is in order, but there's no life. (laughs) It's something like that. Yeah. I think we can get so excited, right? Like when we're learning these things. And then everybody else then becomes the enemy because it's like, they're trying to take away this thing that I have. Yeah, Um, that's good. And the Lord convicted me one day. He's like, Hey, that's actually my son and my daughter. They just don't know that part of me yet. Yeah, it's good. I came to the internship with a lot of zeal. Um, that what I found really quickly is that they, we, we disagreed a lot about a lot of things about even about my testimony. I shared with them what, what God did. They told me that likely that this wasn't God (laughs) and that, um, I was even told by someone, um, in the environment that like, Hey, like this, like this was the enemy that was leading you to believe that you were healed so that you'd be deceived into believing that the gifts are for today. (laughs) Wow. And it was like, it was like, Whoa, how did you, how did you put those pieces together to get to that conclusion? Right. Like it's, yeah. Um, but people will go to extremes, I think, to stay settled in what they're comfortable with. Um, yeah. Because it feels like their foundation is like crumbling when you bring a testimony of something that doesn't line up with what they believe. Um, yeah. And so to them, that's a huge deal. So there's a lot of anger that comes really quick when you like bring something that people don't, like they haven't known, um, especially I found with, with things of the spirit. Like this one time I went out evangelizing, it was, they gave us like homework every week and it was, Hey, this week, go out and evangelize to someone and write a paper about how your experience went. Um, so I went with a friend of mine in the internship and, um, we were at Starbucks and I got 
um, a prophetic word for the barista. And I kind of looked behind me and made sure like no one else was in line. Uh, I felt, I felt this word. So I was like, Hey, can I actually talk to you for a second? And I gave her this, this word about, um, how the Lord wanted to heal her relationship with her father. And I think it was like something about healing her mom who was sick with something. It was, it was something really specific to her family. And she just broke down sobbing and was like, how did you know? And we just shared Jesus with her and she was like open to receiving prayer. And like, she was really touched and just like, wow, like God is real and he sees me. And like, that was, that was her conclusion was like, God is real and he sees me and I'm loved. Yeah, that's good. So I wrote that down all in my paper. Like the next day they're like, Hey, we really want to talk to you about your paper. And I was like, okay, like, look what God did. Oh, yeah. Look what God did. Um, and they were really upset and they're like, actually, you're not doing this in an orderly fashion. And the gifts are only supposed to be used in the church. What you did was unbiblical and sinful. And I, I was kind of stood there and I was shocked for a minute because I'm like, but she experienced God. And so as I stayed in the internship, there was a lot of conversations that were had where this one time in particular, they pulled me into, it was a two hour long meeting. In summary, they basically told me that we don't think you're a Christian. We're concerned. The whole staff knows and we're praying for you. Wow. And we don't want you teaching anything of that here. And we don't want you bringing other people to revival meetings or any other place that talks about this stuff. Cause, um, I was going to a worship, um, like this worship night called gospel house that was in yeah. at the time. I think now they're based in San Diego and LA, but at the time they're in orange County. And, um, I'd started going to that because it was, um, it was, it was literally just a bunch of young adults on Friday nights and we'd go for like three hours just worshiping. And that was it. Like just, yeah. God. yeah. And in that space, um, there would be like space for prophecy. There'd be space for the gifts of the spirit. There'd be space for, um, for praying for healing and all that stuff. So I had, I'd brought some friends from church there and they had found out about that and were really not happy about that. And a lot of people on staff, like kind of came up to me and were like, are you okay? Like, are you still saved? Like I had a couple people ask me, like, are you still a Christian? Like with what you believe? Yeah. And it's so interesting. Cause I, you know, I, you, you mentioned this earlier, there's always an opportunity in moments like that to either become offended and condescending and judgmental or to respond in humility yeah. with grace. There's no question that it's painful, right? There's no question that you're sitting here, you know, like you're excited. That's like, you're seeing God do all these amazing things. You're here, you know, all this stuff and you go and you share and there's like this rejection and this kind of coming back at you, um, that's trying to shut that down. And then how do you, in that moment, like not turn that into this judgmental spirit or, or take it personally and and are crushed by it. And those are the things that make being a believers at times messy, at times hard, at times painful. And one thing I think I've so, I've been so proud of and admired in you is that we all in those moments might have those, you know, you have, it is hurtful. It is hard. It is frustrating. It is, you know, you get angry or whatever the case may be, but you really have worked hard to posture yourself in a place of humility and a place of, of investigating and going, okay, Lord, I want to know the truth. Like, you know, and I think one of the, the, the best things we can do in those situations is, is the first thing that I always ask if I'm challenged or is say, Lord, is this true? I should never 
feel like I'm above self-examination or going before the Lord and asking him to search my heart, you know, try me. Is there anything here that's offensive to you? Is there anything here that doesn't align with your word, doesn't align with your character? And if I can go and I could go before him and go to his word and I can go, no, actually I, I'm, I sense you with me, you know, you're here, your word right. is confirming. It's the first, second Thessalonians five sixteen. rejoice always pray without ceasing and everything. Give thanks. Right. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Abstain from every form of evil. So there's balance in God's word. There's an invitation not only to step into the fullness of what God um, is giving us, but also to have wisdom and care and honor and love in that. And uh, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So how do we exercise those things? And the irony in all those things that were said to you is that, um, I mean, Jesus exercised the gifts, right? Right. You know, when, when, with a woman at the well, he had a word of knowledge, you've been married five times and the man you're living with is not your husband. I mean, that's, that is what that is, you know? And then he told the disciples and he told, you're going to do this and more, right? He sent out the 72, you're going to, and and go heal the sick, go do these things. He prayed in John 17, Lord, I pray that they would be in me the way I'm in you, that they would have the glory that you've given me, right? So there's nothing that's not biblical here, but I do think that there's just theological differences and you were in a place where, the things that the Lord was birthing in you was not being received or affirmed right. in the environment you're in. And that's a very confusing place to be. And a lot of people have been very hurt in that place. How did the Lord meet you in that? And how did you really receive healing and yeah. reconcile those things? Like what, what the Lord kind of gave me a key in that season um, mm-hmm. was that the fruit of your life will speak louder than the argument that you have. Even if it's mm, biblical, it's good. right? Like even if I have really good. all of the Greek and Hebrew on my side, right? Like, all <laughs> biblical right. context, which man, I marked up my Bible. Like I looked for it and I found it. Like it's all over the scripture, even in the old Testament. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's good. But the Lord gave me a key of the fruit of your life speaks louder. Like I learned that over a season where right after this all happened, I moved to Arizona with my family. Um, and my family chose to go to a church that was, fairly legalistic as well. And, um, I chose to go with them because I just really felt my heart that it was right just to honor them and to go with them. And, and in that place, once again, I had a lot of leaders and like, I just worked in the coffee shop. Like I wasn't there to, to like try to change, you know, the theology of the church. Cause I, I think that's also not the right answer to changing things. Yeah. Like yeah. unity comes through like the low and slow, <laughs> Like, I think the Lord is a lot more concerned with us, um, having a relationship with him and getting to that point where we're actually like walking hand in hand with him, like step in step with him. than he is about us believing every little point of theology completely perfectly. Um, Yeah. And so I, I learned that it's not my job to convince the person in front of me of what I believe it's my job to love and that through that love and through that um, that compassion, that the kindness that they would actually see a better way. Um, in that, that I've actually witnessed that change people. Like I've witnessed that open people's minds and hearts to 
that there's more with God, that there's actually a relationship with God, that there's yeah. like gifts, good gifts that the father wants to give his kids. Well, and there's partnership with him. Right. And I think that's the thing that gets missed, that both gets in the mist, gets missed in the pharisaical legalistic mindset because it puts God as like this angry judgment and puts a workspace I need to prove my worth. Right. But it's also missed in gifts apart from him. Yeah. Right. Because that's where abuse happens. That's right. where they're weaponized. Right. That's where really dangerous things can happen or hard things can happen. And so nobody is above hurting someone else right. inadvertently or intentionally, right. right? Are we willing wherever we are at to just lock eyes with the Lord and yeah. say, Father, what are you what are you inviting me into? What are the things that I need to lay down and surrender? Yeah. What are the um mindsets that I've Hold on to what are the things that I've made an idol out of? And how do I surrender all those things for your purposes and plans, for your kingdom, for your will? I feel like when you were in Arizona and you were at the coffee shop, the Lord really grew you in kind of that humility and pulling back and honoring both your family and the place you were at. Um, and I think there's something kind of there because I, I think it, it's very easy for people to kind of like, screw you, I'm going to go someplace that understand, you know what I mean? Like, but I do like the fact that you said, I felt like I was supposed to go there. And I feel like when you were there, we'd have conversations on the phone and the Lord was actually using that place in your life. Yeah. I just really felt like I was supposed to be there. Like I just couldn't shake it. Like I was just really leaning into the Lord to listen in that season. And he was really showing me how to honor people that didn't think like me. Yeah, it's good. And what that looked like was coming in low, coming in humbly, like having a lot of fire in my heart and wanting to like stand on a, on a soapbox and like, you know, say what I thought, but, but <laughs> being led by the Lord to come in low and not. Yeah. And so for me, I, I just got a coffee shop job because I was also a barista at another coffee shop in town. So just kind of did both of those in that season and just kind of saved up, um, some money to, uh, eventually go to ministry school. And so during that season, I, it was all about leaning into love and leaning into God. Like, how do you see this person in front of me throughout that time? I felt the Lord lead me to, to read the entire old Testament it seemed really like an interesting thing for God to ask me to do. Cause I'm like, don't you want to talk to me about like the new Testament? And God just really painted a story for me during that time of, Hey, like, this is what love looks like over time, right? Like, because the whole old Testament is just a story of God pursuing his, his chosen ones, right? Like pursuing Israel and in the new Testament. Now we're, you know, grafted into the promises that we're his chosen ones. And, um, it's just the story of like his, his love that literally long suffered through generations and generations of rejection in his love. Like he never stop pursuing his people. And then that everything pointed to the cross and in that cross, the fullness of mercy and the fullness of justice met in a way that could unify people that could actually bring yeah, it's good. connection between people and God and people and other people. Cause that in the same way that God showed me mercy, I get to walk in mercy to people and leaders and churches that have hurt me. Right. Or wounded me or whatever the situation yeah. may be. And 
see them through the eyes of love and, and actually love his bride to a place that is actually making her beautiful for the return of Jesus. I can either stand on the sidelines and remove myself from the church, or I can look and be like, okay, I'm going to in mercy, come close and love you. But also in that learning boundaries yeah. <laughs> um, in that, <laughs> yeah, God, it's good. you know, I, I think one thing I had to learn because, you know, I'd mentioned that because I moved a lot, I really tried to please people to get, you know, them to like yeah. me. Like I had to kind of learn how to have a backbone. Like I had to learn how to stand my ground and what I believed. So yeah. loving didn't look like agreeing with them in the yeah. same way that it didn't look like them agreeing with me. Like me loving and coming in humbly still looked like me standing on what I believed and having amazing boundaries of yeah. like, God's actually completely for you having boundaries with the church and with your leaders and with your family and with your friends. Jesus set boundaries. Right. Yeah. Quite a bit, actually. Just a little side note there. <laughs> could do a whole podcast on that, but the number one thing too is, is asking the Lord to examine your heart and be like, God, if there is any root of bitterness in me, I want you to take that out. I want you to refine that yeah. out of me. If there's any root of pride in me, God, I want you to take that out. Cause what, whatever you're seeing that you're not liking in your church leader, like you got to really make sure that you're asking God to examine your own heart and make sure that's not in you too. Because like, yeah. I think it's so easy to be like, Oh, a pride. I really hate pride. And then in your hatred of pride, you become prideful about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just being yielding to the spirit to ask him to search your heart, take out the roots of bitterness, take out the the roots and then to heal your heart. Yeah. Because, because how fast do we end up like with a two by four in our face, trying to get a speck out of somebody else's eye. And then I turn my head and I take 12 people out. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm, you know, swinging the two by four around and, mm-hmm. and we do that constantly. I mean, in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, when things locked down, there was a church that asked me to come and lead worship new community and Vista. And I started leading worship every week. And then like, I don't know, three weeks in or something, there was like permission to gather, like we could open, but we had to take everybody's temperature. Everyone had to wear masks and distanced. And this was all in the middle of all the turmoil. Like, you know, pastors were dealing with, if you make us gather, we're not showing up. If you don't make us gather, we're not showing, you know, if you make us wear masks, it was all this division, all of this crazy going on. And I was so frustrated with so many agendas. Right. And right. I'm driving down that Sunday morning and I'm praying and I'm praying against all these agendas. And I'm like, if my people will come by and will humble themselves and pray and see these people have to, you know what I'm like going, yes. I'm thinking of all this stuff and I've got this like righteous indignation. Right. And, right. and probably to a degree it's good, but I'm in sound check. Like we're going to go live in like 10 minutes and Holy Spirit's like, uh, Gina, excuse me, but you have an agenda. <laughs> I was like, dang it. Uh, Because how, I mean, we can say a verse, like if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. And as soon as I say, if my people will humble themselves and I can think of 20 people right now, yep, I know exactly who that needs to be, right? But the Lord's going, no, that needs to start with you. Yes, yes, yes. Like you have no business saying that if it can't start with you. And and how often, like that has to be daily, you know, to posture ourselves in that place of humility to go to the Lord and say, search my heart, 
try me and know my thoughts. Lord, what, what do I need to yield to you? What do I need to surrender to you and help me to love his bride is gloriously messy and beautiful in her brokenness. And thanks for um, sharing your story and for hopping on the podcast, the other side of the podcast, as it were. (laughs) This will probably be the first of many conversations because there's all sorts of things we can chat about, but I appreciate you and I appreciate how you have walked out this journey because it very easily could have gone a lot of different directions, but I've seen you again and again, humble yourselves and come under the Lordship of Jesus and um, surrender your agenda for his and trust him. When we do that, you know, he meets us. Well, there was a lot in that conversation. And as I do, I would like to pause for a moment. What are the things that the Holy Spirit is nudging you on? What were the things that were said or the topics that came up that um, Jesus is just tapping you on the shoulder? Maybe you're battling with something, anxiety, OCD, or something else altogether, and the Lord is saying it's time. It's time. I wanna I want you to give that to me. And I want to bring healing. And is it possible that he might be revealing to you something underneath? Not just the symptom of the anxiety or the OCD or whatever it may be, but that there's something deeper he wants to heal. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for every person who's listening right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you reveal? Would you speak? And as he highlights things to you or speaks, just just give them to him. Maybe even close your eyes and picture yourself handing those things over to him and inviting him to bring healing and freedom. And maybe you have met Jesus and you've had significant shifts in your life and the people around you, your family or your community is rejecting you or rejecting that transformation. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit and the Father, Jesus, are surrounding you and holding you and have something for you. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, I just pray for protection. I pray for patience. I pray for revelation of your kindness in your presence, and I pray for loving, supportive community, safe community for your kids. And maybe you have been in a situation where you do have some hurt from church, 
if you've been in church for any length of time, you probably have. But what does it look like to have boundaries and to not subject yourself to unhealthy situations, but to also have love and compassion and empathy for people? So, Lord, we need you. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your spirit to be loving and kind. Um, So, Lord, would you have your way in us? Would you refine us? Would you reveal the things in us that need to be softened and healed and redeemed? And would you give us the capacity to love and be your presence and your light to those around us? Lord, there's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in the world. And it's time for us as your kids to step in fully to all that you have for us, the things that you've called us to, the gifts that you've given us, all for your glory and for our good and for your kingdom. Thank you that we're not in this alone. Thank you for your loving kindness. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sacred Space Podcast. If you want to find out more about Stockton Ministries, about prayer class, about all of the things that we have going on, you can click the link in the episode notes or visit us at GinaStockton.com. Also, I would ask you to rate and review us on whatever podcast app that you are listening to this on. Would you leave a comment, a rating? give us a thumbs up, like, subscribe, whatever you need to do, that would be really helpful. And it just uh, grows our influence and our impact and share this with your friends. And finally, if you want to help support the production of this podcast and other projects, we are a nonprofit and these things cost money. So would you prayerfully consider making a tax deductible donation by clicking the link in the episode notes or going to ginastockton.com slash donate. I hope you have an amazing week and that you know that you are deeply seen, known, and loved. We'll see you next time in the sacred space.